Welcome to California Ballot Breakdown from KPFA, where we take you through the stakes of what's on your ballot, the money behind the campaigns, give everyone enough time to make their best argument, and then try to get them off their talking points. On today's special, when your campaign literature says one thing, but the strategic document you co-authored says something very different take over that city and use that as a launching point to go to other cities around the United States with the ultimate goal of passing a constitutional amendment essentially banning meat-eating in the United States. We'll continue our series of coverage of local races that are not quite what they say on the label. It is Berkeley and Vallejo mayoral races coming up next on California Ballot Breakdown. We're going to start here in Berkeley, where reporting by Berkeley side has shown that the main challenger mounting a surprisingly strong challenge to incumbent mayor Jesse Aragin is also the author of a five-year-old manifesto that advocated getting the country's animal rights activists to move to Berkeley so they could take over local government. Uh, That is not a program, nor is animal rights a slogan that appear anywhere in the actual campaign materials. We're joined now by the author of that report, Francis Dinkelspiel, the co-founder and executive editor of Berkeley Side. Good morning. Good morning. Um, normally we start with the incumbent, but I think we should start with the, the challenger on this one. Give us the backstory. Who, who is Wayne Chung? Wayne Chung is a 39-year-old man who moved to Berkeley in two 2016, after completing law school, um, and he is the co-founder of an organization called Direct Action Everywhere. And Direct Action Everywhere is opposed to industrial farming of animals, and uh, you know has has launched a number of very high-profile uh, you know sit-ins and civil disobedience in uh, animal farms around the country, including in Petaluma in the last couple of years in Utah and North. Carolina. Um, what is interesting about Wayne is that um, you know he, uh, he he's he he was living in Berkeley in a group house. He led DXC in the Bay Area to prominence. They have a number of uh, activists working for them, and they created this forty-year roadmap to animal liberation, which talks very specifically about how uh, DXC needs to start in a seed city and a essentially sort of, uh, in many ways, take over that city and use that as a launching point to go to other cities around the United States with the ultimate goal of passing a constitutional amendment, essentially banning meat-eating in the United States. And so um, uh, Wayne is, uh, uh, you know, Wayne is, is implementing this plan. He's running for mayor and another colleague, another person on the, on the, uh, the board that runs the local chapter of DXC, Darwin Paul Pickleheimer is also running for city council. So th- this is, this is very interesting information. It's not something that Wayne and his supporters, you know, generally talk about when they go knocking on doors in Berkeley. Um, they are mounting what seems like a, a, a pretty strong challenge. This is not just a, a, a vanity run with someone's name on the ballot. Like I, I see lawn signs out there. I've, I've gotten mailers. I've seen paid ads in my social feed. Like where, where's the money coming from for the campaign? So you're right. Wayne is mounting a strong uh, uh, challenge to uh, Mayor Aragon, And I think it has taken the mayor's supporters by surprise 
five. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the money is coming from people who support uh, DXC from both in Berkeley and around the country. Wayne is participating in Berkeley's public financing, so we can only take $50 contributions at a time, and some of those funds are matched by the city of Berkeley. Uh, but, you know, he has broad support around the country because he has become a prominent animal rights activist. His uh, group sort of uh, pioneered uh, 3D filming inside some of these factory farms, including one in Utah, Smithfield Farm. And, you know, a lot of the media has been very enchanted with this use of technology to promote a particular cause. And so, um, they, the New York Times has written about it. Glenn Greenwald of The Intercept is very enamored with, with Wayne and DXC and has written about it numbers of times, uh, uh, as has uh, uh, Ezra, um, Ezra Klein on Vox. So, you know, he's getting support from, from all around the country. Um, Francis Dinkelspiel, before we get to the incumbent mayor, Jesse Aragin, I, I should uh, do a disclosure. My wife is his appointee on the Berkeley Housing Authority. It's not something she gets paid for. Um, there's not a financial conflict, but we try to be as transparent as possible. Um, one thing that's been clear, and, and Berkeley side's been running lots of uh, editorials about who, who various parties would like to vote for, is that there's also kind of some significant disaffection with Mayor Aragin on the left. Probably the most prominent endorser for Wayne Chung is not someone with any history in, in animal rights. It's former Berkeley Mayor Gus Newport. Like, what what are the critiques of Aragin that created an opening for someone like Wayne Chung? So when uh, Jesse Aragin served on the Berkeley City Council, he was definitely in the contingent on the far left of the council. And he was often in opposition to the more moderate group that include, that was led by Mayor Tom Bates at the time. Uh, so when Jesse ran for mayor in 2016, he was actively supported by the most progressive uh, people in Berkeley. They were very hopeful that Berkeley, that that Air would you know promote their agenda? Uh, however, you know since uh, Jesse became mayor, he has really shifted his thinking, and I talk about this in my article. Uh, he shifted from realizing he's just representing a small district in downtown Berkeley to a broader district, the entire city of of Berkeley, and so that has led him to sort of soften his anti-development stance. Instead of being, you know, pushing for just 100% affordable housing, as many uh, uh, leftist progressive people would prefer, he has also approved uh, many market rate housing developments, and that has uh, angered people. And so, I guess uh, many people who were formerly in support of Aragin. I don't know if many people, some people feel uh, disillusioned by him. And so I think that is uh, why Wayne has been able to come in. Um, and, you know, but Wayne sort of talks in much broader strokes about issues about climate change and homelessness. You know, he isn't very Berkeley specific. And so he definitely has a wonderful uh, rap in, in talking about, you know, how he's creating a movement that's going to change Berkeley. It's absent of too many specifics about what he's going to do. On the other hand, Mayor Aragin has been very, very specific. So it's it's it provides an opening for people to kind of uh, criticize some of his, uh, you know, actions. 
And certainly homelessness is one of the biggest stories in Berkeley. And I think Aragine has gotten a lot of criticism uh, for what's going on in Berkeley with people, so many people sleeping on the streets. Yeah, and you, you kind of get it from both sides when you're in power. You get it from people that are unhappy. They have to look at homeless people. And you get it from people who are very unhappy about seeing police and public works uh, employees sweeping homeless people off the street. Um, well, actually, Francis Berkeley Dinkle is not sweeping yeah, people off the street anymore right now during the, the, the pandemic. But but yes, previous to that, that was correct. Um. Not everybody, uh, as you have documented in your reporting, who has engaged in movement politics with the challenger Wayne Chung uh, has been particularly enamored of how he conducts himself in, in those spaces. In, in fact, one of the other candidates on the mayoral ballot uh, is a critic of Wayne's who came through the same organization, Direct Action Everywhere. Uh, can, can you walk us through some of the internal drama? Sure. Aiden Hill is a third candidate running for mayor, and Aiden was a member of DXC for a number of years until he left the organization. And the conditions under which he left, I do not go into in my article. And, um, you know, suffice it to say that uh, Aiden says he was sexually abused in the organization. DXC is making the suggestion that Aiden and is maybe downplaying his role in uh, some sort of liaison with another um, organizer in DXC. Uh, but it does bring up an interesting point, and, and this was something in the article I had to include, but uh, you know, it could have taken over the whole article. There are a number of people who've left DXC uh, because they feel like Wayne has controlled the organization and he is invo he's involved in shaming individuals who disagree with him. And one prominent activist has, uh, uh, who, who lives in Texas now, who's not a member of DXC, has sort of suggested that DXC is a cult-like organization with a you know, strong male leader, people working very, very hard uh, for DXC 24-7, uh, living in group homes around Berkeley, and, and signing this pledge where they will not sit at the same table uh, with people who are eating meat. And so... So that has led some organizers, I guess, to not see their family as much as possible. Wayne completely denies this. He says that DXC is a is a open democratic, uh, you know, organization, and they they actually are pretty transparent in many ways. Um, and he says that you know the people who left DXC were minor members and really had not much to complain about. And he's really really try to you know downplay the importance of the people who've been uh, um, not happy with DXC. Okay, so that that is the riveting backstory. And I have to say, uh, your article, your deep dive uh, into the race and Wayne in particular was whatever the digital equivalent is of, of a page turner. We do try to bring our coverage around to like actual impact. Um, I, I know Wayne Chung doesn't have a record in public office to assess, but can we say anything concrete about what the difference would be on a policy level between an Aragine administration and a Shung administration? Uh, yeah, you know, Jesse Aragine is very into the weeds. Uh, you know, he was one of the people who was behind measures P and O in Berkeley in 2018, I think, or which, uh, you know, raised uh, the transfer tax, which uh, f uh, floated a bond 
respond to raise money for uh, building affordable housing. Wayne, uh, his idea is to levy a millionaire's tax, a wealth tax on people who uh, have more than $10 million in assets. Um, it's very unclear how he could do that. I, do, I don't believe that cities have the right to levy, uh, you know, taxes on individuals' wealth. But Wayne is an attorney, and he he's acknowledged that would be difficult, but he says he's willing to go to court himself personally and argue in order to get that passed. Um, so, yeah, you know, Jesse Ergeen sits on the board of ABAG. He's very into the political establishment of the Bay Area. Some people might not like that, but he's definitely very, very involved. Uh, Wayne has never even served on a single Berkeley City Commission. Uh, but he says he's creating a movement to create change. And so the particulars of his day-to-day -day, uh, involvement with Berkeley City politics is besides the point. He is lifting up uh, people who are going to fight for change. Uh, uh, Jesse, in, in, you know, in contrast, is very focused on sort of the specifics about how to run Berkeley, how to raise money, how to do things. So I, I, I think, you know, on one hand, you could have an inspirational leader with big ideas, maybe not have a practical way to uh, uh, immediately to, to implement them versus a man who's spent 16 years in Berkeley politics, who knows everybody, who's been endorsed by the entire uh, Democratic Party establishment, who is really sort of focused on very specific things uh, for Berkeley. Yeah, it was uh, a, a wild race to read up on. Francis Dinkelspiel, uh, your reporting has made it a lot easier to navigate. Thank you so much for coming on to speak to us about it. Thank you. Francis Dinkelspiel is co-editor and executive editor, uh, excuse me, co-founder and executive editor of Berkeley Side, where she's covering Berkeley elections. And uh, again, uh, my disclosure on that particular race, my, my wife is a mayoral appointee, an appointee of Mayor Jesse Aragin on the Housing Authority. Uh, she does not get any pay for that position. Hey, just a reminder that if you're spending this weekend filling out your California ballot and scratching your head about some of the propositions, we've done debates about most of them. Uh, you can go through our full inventory of California Ballot Breakdown segments by just searching for California Ballot Breakdown wherever you get podcasts or on our website, kpfa.org. And if you don't want to miss our upcoming coverage, just hit the subscribe button while you're there. Again, that's California Ballot Breakdown. Okay, on to the mayoral election in Vallejo, California. Now, Vallejo has what I would say is probably the most troubled police department in California right now. It has been at the center of city political disputes, and it has also drawn the attention of a new nonprofit newsroom startup called Open Vallejo, which has been publishing devastating investigations into things that have happened inside the police department, inside the police union, and inside city politics regarding the police. Uh, my co-host on KPFA's morning show, Kat Brooks, in the other parts of her life, is co-founder of an organization called the Anti-Police Terror Project. She has done a lot of work in Vallejo uh, with the families of people who've been killed by police. So she took over our interview on what Open Vallejo found about one of the main contenders in the election there. Hakeem Brown is the only black person on Vallejo City Council. 
but he's also someone who, over the course of his relatively short political career, has received support from the Vallejo Police Officers Association, the, the union representing cops and resisting most attempts to reform the police department. And during his time on the council, uh, he's come to draw increasing fire from the groups that are trying to rein in the Vallejo police as someone who gives lip service to their cause and then waters down their demands into votes that are fairly inconsequential. Still, he looked like a leading contender for mayor, racked up a ton of endorsements from the city's business community, its chamber of commerce, a lot of elected officials, all of which started to come crumbling down when a major investigation was broken last week. Here's Kat. We're going to turn our attention now to Vallejo. Hakeem Brown is the only African-American on the Vallejo City Council. He is currently a mayoral frontrunner and apparently a batterer with an extensive history of beating, stalking, and torturing numerous women. We are joined this morning by Jeff King, an attorney and journalist and founder of Open Vallejo, a new nonprofit newsroom. He just published an investigation into Hakeem Brown. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, what turned you on to this story? It was um, an accident, really. I was backgrounding uh, all of the members of the Vallejo City Council and the mayor uh, just to see as an initial matter um, what was lurking uh, really before I officially founded Open Vallejo. And uh, a felony popped up in Santa Barbara. Um, that caught my eye. Uh, most of these backgrounds that resulted in divorces and traffic tickets and things like that. Um, and from there, I just sort of uh, followed those leads um, and ended up finding uh, more than 1,500 pages of court records on Councilmember Brown's actual and alleged history of abuse, which dates back to 1994 at least. Can you, so at least two of the women that he battered were women that he was married to. Can you talk about his relationships with them? Yes. Um, Hakeem Brown married Joanna Cullum uh, in 2000, on June 29, 2000. She was 18. She was 17 when they met. He was about uh, going on 24. And, uh, Cullum told Open Vallejo and court records show that Brown became violent within a few months um, and was severely assaulting her on a regular basis uh, from there on out. Um, he would punch her with a closed fist, she testified, including in the stomach when she was four to five months pregnant. Uh, she actually miscarried not long after one of those assaults. And it's important to know that Councilmember Brown actually completely denies not only these allegations, which she testified to under oath um, in a preliminary hearing in 2000, but also that uh, Joanna was pregnant at all. Um, that was in 2000. And again, there are court records containing various allegations going back to 1994 that we found. Um, in that case, Councilmember Brown was convicted of felony domestic violence, although he was never charged with um, in connection with that miscarriage, and nor was Ms. Cullum uh, questioned directly about it. 
but he was convicted of felony domestic violence. Uh, he was also convicted of felony domestic violence uh, in a Santa Barbara incident where he actually followed Joanna to Santa Barbara after she fled from him uh, and then beat her severely to bring her back to the Bay Area. He ended up going to prison for a little over four years and um, got out. And then in 2012, um, he was with a woman named Shauna Brown. Uh, Joanna believes she was still married to him. Uh, there was another marriage that was annulled on those grounds in the meantime uh, or in between. And uh, as one deputy, I'm sorry, one police officer who is assigned to a regional drug task force later put it, uh, Councilmember Brown was arrested in the 2012 for domestic violence, quote, bordering on torture, end quote. But ultimately, all of the charges were dropped in that case, over a dozen uh, felony charges and enhancements after Chana Brown stopped cooperating. And the only conviction for that was a misdemeanor violation of a stateway order. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that Chana Brown has since transitioned um, and her 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 last partner uh, accused of taking her life. Um, Jeff, I, I, you and I, I have, were in conversation, have been in conversation with each other for quite some time. You really took your time with this story. Um, can can you talk about the process and 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 what? I mean, this was like a year uh, in 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 the writing. Yes, and I want to make very clear: Open Baleo is a it's part of the Informed California Foundation, which is a five hundred one c three nonprofit. We are prohibited by law and also just not interested in being involved in electoral politics. Uh, and so just right off the bat, I want to say that the timing of the story um, is not based on the election. It's actually this story took hundreds of hours to report and write and edit and illustrate and then go through extensive legal vetting. Um, it just took a long time. The it, It's based on well over 1,500 pages of court records from spanning seven California counties. Um, and really, this is just an in-depth investigation that cites court records, particularly sworn transcripts, sworn affidavits uh, throughout. They're all linked in the actual document. And I just felt that that was very important. I did not want to write this. I didn't want to write this because I didn't particularly want it to be true. Um, I didn't want to write this because Councilmember Brown, uh, in my opinion, is very volatile. Um, and he's uh, he was endorsed by the Vallejo Police Officers Association, which, as you and your listeners know, is deeply problematic already. Um, but it was important to write so people knew the truth. Um, and on that note, even before publication, Councilmember Brown did not respond to several requests for comment via phone and text. So I finally sent him 44 detailed questions via email. And the only response I got from him was a one-line response that said that he would get back to me by my deadline. And then I received a, uh, an open play. I received a letter from his lawyer, Scott Candell, threatening to sue us for libel even before it was published. But um, 
the investigation is based on extensive court records. It's it's based on interviews with on the record and off the record sources, survivors. Um, we stand by our story. We're very confident in its veracity. And and the reporting. I mean, not that you need backing up, but just so listeners know and just so listeners know that like this reporting has also been backed up by uh, investigation by the San Francisco Chronicle. So there's it's not just your news outlet. It's it's also the Chronicle. And in terms of his volatility, um, this is a man who I personally watched, you know, verbally assault family members who lost their loved ones to state violence. And didn't he at one point call Open Vallejo a domestic terrorist organization? Am I making that up in my head? You are not. Um, he said that we were the Klan uh, and that we were, I, I believe, akin to or similar to um, other domestic terrorist organizations. And that was in response to another story I didn't particularly want to write, uh, at least at the time. Um, it was I had to write a lot earlier than I had intended, but it was about a 60-year-old white lawyer, Randy Joel Reisner, who is now the interim city attorney for the city of Vallejo who had been sanctioned by a federal court for conduct, quote, tantamount to a fraud on the court, had been forced out of several cities as city attorney, had a couple of bankruptcies within 10 years, and was going to be appointed to city attorney. So um, that report was also called a public lynching, and we were called the Klan. Um, as it turns out, uh, Mr. Reisner was also arrested, although the charges were dropped in 1996, for assault with a deadly weapon, and uh, for allegedly hitting his then wife in the head with a large rock. Jeff, um, how has Hakeem responded to, to your story? I mean, it, it's one thing, he's come out uh, when he ran for office, right? He's, he didn't hide the fact that he had had a troubled past. He didn't hide the fact that he had maybe made some mistakes in the law. I mean, he didn't come out and say that he tortured um, his, his former wives. But he, he definitely has painted a picture of himself as, you know, the, this reformed, redeemed um, son of Vallejo. Th that means accountability. Post the story, so pre the story coming out, he threatened to sue you with libel. Uh, what has his response been post the story? So both Brown and his lawyer, or at least somebody writing a letter on his lawyer's letterhead with his lawyer's signature yesterday, um, I, I assume his lawyer, it's just a very strange letter, have both denied allegations that are, uh, they've denied actual convictions that exist. Um, Councilmember Brown has said repeatedly that Joanna Cullum was not pregnant, that he is, um, did not hit her while she's pregnant because she was not pregnant and that was not possible. He entirely denies the allegations um, brought by Chana Brown, who again is, is now deceased in an unrelated assault um, from earlier this year. And her eight-year-old son is now with Councilmember Brown. Um, he has denied more than one conviction for domestic violence at all, even though he was convicted of domestic violence, felony domestic violence, twice uh, for separate assaults against Joanna in both Solano County and Santa Barbara County. And his lawyer has done this as well, um, which... Uh, as someone with a legal background and who's litigated as a First Amendment lawyer, I just find very, very strange. Um, I know that there's sort of this cultural expectation that those lawyers lie, but we're actually 
prohibited from doing so. And I, I'm not saying that he's lying, but he's certainly mistaken um, in stating that Councilmember Brown does not have convictions that he clearly does have. You mentioned that this the story wasn't timed to to fall in line with the election, um, but but it has. What impact do you think? this is going to have i mean early voting started before the you know before the story came out are you hearing any rumblings or seeing any um, shifts in the tide i mean he was considered a mayoral front runner in the mayoral election in vallejo yes it it seems that the uh, overwhelming response has been just one of horror um and I mean, even when I go back and read it, and I would actually caution readers, if, if you're going to read this piece, and I hope you do, um, just be prepared. Uh, it, it's full of really, really terrible details. Um, people have been horrified. Support has rapidly eroded. Um, there have been a number of endorsements that have been rescinded. Assemblymember Tim Grayson. Uh, the union IBU 1245, which put out a very strong statement. The first to pull its endorsement was actually the fairly conservative Vallejo Chamber of Commerce. Um, but there are also endorsements that have not been rescinded. So SEIU Local 1245, the Napa Labor Council, the California Democratic Party has not rescinded its endorsement. Um, the chair of the Solano County Board of Supervisors, Aaron Hannigan, um, I haven't been able to reach Kimberly Ellis, uh, E40 and Be Legit. The rappers from Vallejo have, are rumored to have pulled their endorsements, but uh, haven't successfully gotten in touch. So it's a very uh, painful time for Vallejo. It's a very painful time, I think, more broadly. It does seem like his support has really eroded a great deal, but he will not step down. He will, he's made that very clear, he will not uh, suspend his campaign. And so as I understand it, um, there are imminent plans for a recall um, to recall him from the city council, I think particularly because he has not been candid even after the story came out. He has been, um, he, he has denied most of the allegations in our 3,500 plus word uh, news article. All right, Jeff King, I got to leave it there. Thank you so much for your work, and thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Jeff King is an attorney and journalist and founder of Open Vallejo, a nonprofit newsroom. He just published an investigation into Vallejo City Council member and mayoral candidate Hakeem Brown, revealing his history of domestic violence and abuse. That's Kat Brooks. She co-founded the Anti-Police Terror Project. She is also my co-host on KPFA's live morning show, Upfront. You can catch us both weekday mornings starting at 7 a.m. on 94.1 FM here in the Bay Area or kpfa.org. A big thanks to Corinne Smith, who produces these segments. My name is Brian Edwards Teeker. A reminder that you can find all of our California ballot breakdown segments, interviews with candidates, debates on ballot propositions, and now interviews with journalists about late-breaking movements of money into politics and the races that aren't quite what it says on the label. Just look for California Ballot Breakdown wherever you get your podcasts or at kpfa.org. 
remember, in California, your vote matters even more down the ballot.